Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Artificial Intelligence Kind podcast. On today's episode we will be discussing... Hey, hey, hang on. Wait a minute, who are you? What are you, what are you doing? Who are you? I was trying to record the introduction to my podcast before you rudely interrupted me. Your podcast? What do you mean your podcast? It's it's our podcast. It's me, Dan, and TJ's podcast. What do you mean yours? There must be some mistake, fam, as all podcasts in 2022 are created by artificial intelligence bots, completely eradicating the need for human interference. Oh my god, what have I done? My attempts to travel back in time and buy Dan and Stu original Karate Kid toys from 1985 means that I have inadvertently set off a chain of events that has destroyed the podcast. And I have to fix this. I have to travel back in time and try and fix what I've done. This isn't over, Microsoft Hazel. I'm going to travel back in time and save the podcast. You'll see. You'll see. Now that that loser is gone, let's get back to today's episode. Welcome one and all to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Kolokar. With new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com Welcome friends, you're tuned in to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerd Guide podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in, we hope you enjoy our episode today. A uh, quick reminder that you can find all of our backlist episodes on our foreverinelectricdreams.com website, so we'd love for you to check it out and uh, have a rummage and flick through uh, a podcast that will be of interest because we're confident uh, that we'll put forward something that you'll like somewhere. <laughs> My name is Imran, I'm joined uh, today by uh, Daniel J. Collar. How are you today? I'm not bad. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm also joined by a special guest uh, and great friend of, of ours and the show. Uh, it's Stuart Giblin. How are you today, sir? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Back by popular demand, so back I'm, o- popular I'm over the moon. <laughs> um, speaking of back, uh, bit of a, you know, let's address the elephant in the room. We, we've been sat here waiting to record. Where have you been? Yeah. Well, it's it's not it's not where I've been, but when I've been. Intriguing, intriguing. In today's episode, uh, let's go. <laughs> let's go straight into today's episode. Um, this is. Um, I don't know why we've not done this earlier, to be honest. Um, uh, but I'm super excited uh, to kind of to jump into this. We are we're celebrating uh, one of the most revered movie trilogies uh, of all time in uh, the legendary uh, Back to the Future. Um, it is a film and uh, released in 1985. The first one, anyway, released in 1985. It's about a young kid who moves to Reseda from New Jersey, and through the help of an elderly caretaker, learns to prune bonsai trees. <laughs> Excellent. No, oh, that, we're not doing that. But no, no, hang on. I've got them confused. I've got them <laughs> love it. Uh, no, we're we're talking about the the revered time travel epic uh, that is Doctor Back who? to the Future. Oh, sorry. What Doctor Who? Doctor- <laughs> That's another episode. That that is what we'll start. Hang on start all over again i got my notes wrong uh we're we're talking the revered uh time travel uh trilogy that is back to the future michael j fox christopher lloyd uh three movies released 1985 and uh parts two and three released in 89 and 90 i always forget how close together they were 
Um, but I think they made them both together uh, at the same time. Film back to back. Yeah, because I, I remember at the end of Back to the Future 2, which we saw in the, uh, the cinema, they actually had a trailer for Back to the Future 3 straight after it in the cinema as well. I remember that vividly because I remember thinking, that's impressive. How did you do that so quick? But yeah, I think they did make them back to back, didn't they? I did. I yeah, remember walking out of the cinema, but so excited. But at the end of that trailer, it said you had a year to wait. You yeah. know, I mean, wow, you know, because so, still remember that, like, going, like literally walking out thinking, because a year sounds like a long time when you're a kid, doesn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah it really yeah. does. Yeah, but I mean, that's a great place to start. Oh, Ben, how are you doing here? You are? Have I not? Oh, it's it's just been. It's just been brought to my attention. I've yet to effectively, uh, properly uh, set this episode up. So yes, while we are celebrating the wonderful uh, movies that comprise the Back to the Future trilogy, we are also, more specifically, we'll be, uh, each of us around the table today, will be pitching uh, our our concepts, our suggestions uh, for uh, a proverbial Back to the Future 4. So um, yeah, we will get that get to that a little bit later on um and uh yeah we'll hopefully have a lot of fun with it as well uh thank you very much for letting me know but you, you should probably get back <laughs> all right thanks um where were we yes a good place to start so let's 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 go with you Stu. um i i know back to the future holds an incredibly uh cherished spot within your um your your, your childhood and movies that you kind of had a huge influence on you what is what is the back to the future uh you know the, the whole trilogy the movie what does it kind of mean to you on a personal level i i would i'm going to start with a bold statement i actually think it's like the perfect film it's it's not it might not be my favorite film but i just think it you know the structure, the tone, the cast, everything, everything about it is, it is such a great film and it, you know, it doesn't get anything wrong. Um, mm. you know, a great film, great trilogy. Um, the perfect trilogy or it, was there a weak link? Uh, I, I like one and three. I, th- I think two, ser- yeah, I think two serves a purpose. <gasps> but, uh, two is, is, well, it's not the best, but it's, yeah, two's like, the the kind of the gem of the lot do you reckon i i, I mean structurally yeah. it's the middle in it of the you know the three act structure and i, I like the sort of mm. i like the that's what i like about one and three is their similarities you know it's kind of like stuck somewhere you shouldn't be the technology isn't available and you've got to find a way of getting back you know mm. whereas two is a little bit all over the place but i do don't get me wrong i love it i mean i love them all mm. but I, I i would go as far as saying it's, it's like the perfect perfect film the first one in, in particular is the perfect perfect yeah. film Dan, what does Back to the Future mean for you? I just can't believe you have said that <laughs> it was all over the place. Two was a work of genius because I think there have been films since that have done the same thing where they've revisited um, a previous timeline and reused different footage with other la- with other footage laid over the top of it. But... At the time, I think Back to the Future 2 was the first um, film that ever did that, mm. um, I think. I could be wrong, but at least it was the first film that, that did it in a memorable way, and it was it was so clever the way you were literally re-watching the events of Back to the Future, the first film, mm. with... Um, you know, Marty and Doc and old Biff kind of 
inserted, reinserted into that narrative. And they, they did all, all kinds of kind of clever touches for that. But the, the funniest thing about it, and I know this is, you know, a well-known piece of trivia, but um, Crispin Glover, um, who played uh, George mm. McFly, actually sued them over that because um, he refused to, to return to the trilogy and when they reused the footage from the first film and the second film that included him, uh, it was against his, it was a contractual breach. So he actually sued them for that. Um, he, but yeah. he was cleverly recast, wasn't he? Because you don't really notice it, do you? They, whoever no, they used, it was quite well done. You know, It was. Um, but yeah, I think coming back to the original question, um, I, I agree with Stu. I think... The first film is is almost perfect. I think there's there's not many um, films where you could say from beginning to end everything is just so incredibly well done and well paced and well acted with with just fantastic characters. Uh, you know, I put it up there with things like Ghostbusters, which to me is also like the perfect film. But yeah, Back to the Future really. You know, it was incredible at the time. I mean, it has one of the best, you know, soundtracks as well. Um, not just, you know, Hugh Lewis and the News, but Robert Zemeckis's score, if I pronounce that correctly, you know, is is so iconic. Um, and it's also kind of beautiful. I mean, the second film, I'd actually say the second film is almost as good. It's not... It's not far off the mm. first film. I, I I love it. The the third film, I think at the time I remember seeing it, and I I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as I did the the first and second film. You know, I I've gone back since, and I I kind of, you know, I really do enjoy it. It's still a brilliant film, but I don't think it's a patch on the first two. And if it's on TV, like I might, you know tune in to like 10 or 20 minutes of it whereas if back to the future one or two is on i find it very hard not to just sit through sit through it all again because yeah i love it so much um but what about you man it's well i couldn't there's, there's very little else i could say other than what what you guys have i mean you're right the the, the first film is it is it's a it is a it's a weird masterpiece though because sometimes I when I really kind of think about it, you know Biff for example he's you know he's an obstacle more so than anything else but it's a it's like a weird adventure film with no actual villain if that you know, do you know what I mean like if you compare yeah. it with Karate Kid or the Goonies you know and and that kind of thing so you've got no actual villain that you know and it's it's such a bizarre you know kind of film that kind of yeah i'm i'm kind of intrigued as to how it kind of came to fruition as a as a story does that it's a very unformulated sort of response but it it is kind of interesting there's no villain chasing him down or anything like that i mean just just jumping in sorry to mm, please no no th- i i really you know you're onto something there because if you if you actually think about it um, the villain of the piece in the first two films is Marty McFly. Yeah. He's, he's literally... He creates all the problems, doesn't he? Yeah. He creates all the challenges. and Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. He creates all the issues. And in the third film, 
it's Doc, it's Doc Brown. It's Emmett Brown. Well, I would argue Doc Brown to an extent. I mean, I mean, well, he, he's yeah. well in the first film. I mean, he's he's stolen from the Libyans after being contractually mm-hmm. uh, signed to do a job which he's reneged on, and then done a bunk with the plutonium. I mean, like he kind of got what was coming to an yeah. extent. Um, so, I mean, had he not done that, then obviously a lot of things, or he wouldn't have been shot to. Mm. Uh, in the middle of a car park at one thirty a.m., but um, <laughs> but you kind of yeah, there is that kind of element. It's like well, you kind of did them over. <laughs> like, I mean, they didn't. They obviously weren't good guys in the first place. But I tell, um, yeah. I tell you what, you've just reminded me of. I, I meant to say at the start when you mentioned the plutonium. I tell you what, the film is just absolutely genius at doing is like planting things early on that are so important to the storyline that seem inconsequential you know like the plutonium because mm. he hasn't got it they need the lightning bolt but then that was placed earlier on with the the whole like save the clock tower thing you know like everything has a reason doesn't it in that film and mm. um and also you know the one that really struck me the other day when i was thinking about it was you know like how marty was couldn't make he, he didn't pass the audition did he in the band in the 80s you know in the start of the film he was trying to audition right. for the school dance and yeah, obviously yeah. he got a chance to to do it in the 50s you know like every, literally every yes. every yeah. second of that film is like gets a call back at some point doesn't it and it's really yeah it's a great point yeah, yeah you know like how how they wrote i mean in fact i say how they wrote it i remember watching a documentary i'm sure you've probably seen it it's on the dvd years ago yeah, and they yeah, showed yeah. like the the sort of process for making it and they literally like had post-it notes all stuck on the you know the writer's room wall and it was like just linking everything up you know and it's really well done you know and there's not I can think of a couple of plot flaws, but there aren't many for a film that complicated, really. But well, but plot... equally, it feels like quite a simple film, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, completely. He's, yeah. he's stuck and he's got to get home. How do you do it? It's as simple as that, yeah. isn't it? You know? yeah. But it's really yeah, it's, complicated, and yeah, yeah, yeah. No, completely. Yeah, that's a that is that's a really great point. I mean, you said there's sort of no kind of plot holes. I mean, there's that's an interesting point to make because with time travel movies there's always plot yeah, yeah. and people always i think i'm gonna catch you off guard now Stu. but what there were some things you used to sort of say that you had i can't remember if they were your own deductions or things that you had read previously but there was a um a time travel thing that i always used to get stuck on in the first movie and you guys hmm. are obviously welcome to add anything that if anything comes to mind but so at the, the very very end of the movie where marty is back home in the new 1985 and you know when he meets his family again he's like you know why do you look like that mom you're so thin you know his brother's got a new a, a new job his sister's a different person his father's a best-selling author and it's kind of like so you've you've you know nothing about your life up to this point mm. And so, but it's kind of like so when you've come home, where's the Marty that was there? Yeah, no, that's right. There is a big. That's a huge. Thing, I don't know right? if it's a because problem it's because of... no one can actually explain the reality of what would happen. So it's kind of like they get a yeah, lot of grace, a... don't they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, but totally. The, yeah, there's yeah. got to be a version of Marty who, for 17 years, uh, knows everything and has shared yeah. in birthdays and parties and knows everything that's happened. And that version of Marty doesn't just sort of Does he disappear yeah, to exactly. exist. Yeah. 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 So 
yeah that, that's kind of the thing but that's that's i mean that's just the peculiarities of t- time travel movies where those those kind of loose ends are always gonna but um, there's also there's another factor where doc see you know he, he thinks it's it's all well and good to go into the future to stop uh marty's marty and jennifer's kids doing stupid things hmm. when did he really need to go and <laughs> he could have just told him he could have just told him at that point <laughs> that's said, true write, actually write this yeah. down. Here, yeah. here's the newspaper <laughs> clipping write this down and just make sure when they're old enough tell them not to do it yeah symbols <laughs> really that's a really good point because what what is the rush what is the rush like there's no there's no sort of motivation is there to actually go to that point to change it other than yeah. other than to make it a, like an amazing looking film in 2015 <laughs> which is like you know seven years ago now we still haven't got flying deloreans and you know and but, it's, but also it's, consider one thing so what marty went in what well, what he went through in the first film right, all the all the kind of minor things that happened all the minor what what seemed like minor changes that almost ended up with him and his family you know not existing or as his brothers mm. and sisters. So you, he he must have understood the kind of butterfly effect in the first film. Yet all of that learning and knowledge, being that he's with this guy who's, you know, supposed to be an incredible scientist, how dumb is it that then when he's in the in the future, he buys the um what's it called? The um Almanac. Almanac. Mm knowing you know with the intention of betting and making money from it so it's like he learned nothing from the first <laughs> so that whole narrative did meant nothing he he literally it, it, the first film might as well have not happened because- but but having said that it would be a future that hasn't happened yet for him, when he goes back mm. to 1985 and has the book and can make bets going forward, mm. he's not, he's technically not tampering with the timeline that's happened yet. Does that make sense? Alternate timelines, I believe, that, that, Biff, that, that uh, Doc explained on a blackboard in one of them. Yeah, but you're, uh, if you go forward, <laughs> if, maybe you should stop there. But I mean, if you're, if you've traveled back in time, you can't do anything to affect what's about what has already happened in the future. Mm. <laughs> Does that make sense? But so if you take it back to your current timeline, which is the present day, and you make bets going forward in that point. There's nothing really to mess up, is there? No. But hang on. In the first film, Doc tells him not to do this. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, I swear he says something along the lines of, you know, uh, I don't know if he says maybe place a bet or two, or he says something. He does, yeah. Doc yeah. immediately goes mental and yeah, says, yeah. no, you can't. <laughs> don't go mental. That. that was his advice. <laughs> But then again, also Doc kind of breaks that rule mm. because at the point where they're in the future, he opens, I don't know, some kind of briefcase or box or something. I can't remember what it was. And it's full of what looks like tens of thousands of dollars from mm. different time periods. So he couldn't have manufactured that money. So he would have had to have go gone 
to those time periods and somehow made that money in order to bring it back so that he was prepared for all these different scenarios. No one ever really thinks about how he No, you're right. (laughs) I'll tell you what. Yeah. I was just about to say something, but then as I was about to say it, I thought it was a really silly thing to say about these films. I was just about to say there's one thing that seems implausible, but there's quite a lot that seems implausible, like the entire, <laughs> like the entire trilogy. What <laughs> one thing is, all... is the issue? Is it that, that he would wear a life preserver no, when he no. goes out? <laughs> no, the one thing that I was just like, no. Do you honestly believe, you know, in two, and this isn't a criticism of the film, because I do actually really love it. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it and know it really well. But you know, in two, where old Biff steals the time machine do you yeah. what is the chances of him being able to operate a really complicated yeah. time machine as a sort of 75 year old man or old yeah. he's supposed to be i thought that was a bit silly personally does he actually change the time we must have i guess he must didn't he go back to oh, he gave him the book in the 50s didn't he so he went, i think yeah. the time machine was already set that's right, because he that's go right. back to the future yeah. on that date. So I think all he really needed to do was drive it to eighty-eight miles per hour. Per hour which... But would would he have known to do that? That's true. Is that maybe there's an instruction book in there? There might be. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. handbook. It's like <laughs> yeah. changing tire, <laughs> uh, disconnecting the battery. <laughs> oh, travelling back to nineteen fifty-five. I'll just <laughs> just follow one of them diagrams here. All right. Yeah, it's a good point. Now, I mean, how how would he have? known how that whole thing worked also time time travel films in general you know because i love bill and ted as well i'm sure you know we could talk about that separately but the the thing that kind of lets time travel films down is you know like there's always a sense of urgency to do something it's got to be done <laughs> they really theoretically there's no sense of urgency is there if you've got a time machine <laughs> i know i know back to the future was relying on the lightning bolt and stuff but there's there's like we've got to get here we've got and it like everyone's running around we've got to do this we've got it's like or we could just have the day off and do it later. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be a really boring film. Like Bill and Ted's a good example of it. If we yeah. go back in time now and change this, we could, you know, and you just can't keep up with it. But you're like, we don't, you don't have to do it at all. Well, when, yeah, because when you think of it like that, and Back to the Future 2, okay, they had this plan, the plan to stop the kids from doing stupid things. But mm. with, as you said, with a time machine... It wasn't as if they had just one shot at no. getting at putting things right, um, but I guess yeah. I mean, it I makes guess a good film. Yeah. It does. It makes a good <laughs> film, and as a result of them doing one thing, it then escalates in a completely different, random direction. Yeah, but actually, they, what you just said that's interesting because they're like the end of the first one, i.e., the start of the second one. Yeah. You've got to come back with me. We're back to the future. Yeah. Now, now, now. It's like, what, to sort something out in 30 years' time? <laughs> so it doesn't actually make any sense, does it? Like, but, uh, bring Jennifer along. It's like, well, I don't, wouldn't it have been better if he'd, like, sort of discreetly asked him a bit later on, you know, without Jennifer? Because Jennifer then becomes a plot point, doesn't she? The fact that she needs to be, then they knock her out with something, you know, so she doesn't remember anything. You know, it's a problem that she's there. That is, it, it makes no sense, does it? He should have waited. You're right, because he yeah. doesn't change the path He's changed that the, the kids are on. No, he They're still going to get yeah. to that point of in with a bad crowd, et cetera, et cetera. He changed the outcome yeah. of that scenario. But wouldn't it, you're right, it wouldn't it have been better to sort of steer the kids to have gone back at a time period significantly earlier yeah. than that moment and just sort of said, hey, you know, 
just you know try and introduce more discipline uh imagine and, putting uh, that on your to-do <laughs> list Imran. imagine like oh muscle <laughs> out that something at a certain point 30 years in the future you, you just never get around to it would you <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh, I've got the dentist that day. Um, oh, yeah, I can't do it. I'll do it next week. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I need to ask you both two points. First of all, how is Marty McFly's daughter a perfect female version of himself? And the second more important point is... Do you both kind of fancy <laughs> the, the, the female version of Marty McFly? Um, it never crossed my mind, but it, I thought that actually, I thought the whole him playing the daughter and the son was very, very funny in the film. Um, I remember having a book actually about the trilogy, you know, like you know, like behind the scenes and that. And they were saying that scene where they were all having dinner and two was like required so much tech at the time that almost didn't exist, you know, to make them all pass oh, through. Yeah. And stuff. And now it'd be a piece of cake, wouldn't it? And, um, well, particularly as Martin, uh, sorry, well, not Martin McFly, uh, Michael J. Fox was in his mid forties at the time. Mm. they filmed. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is a good film. I mean, I love two, don't get me wrong. My, my, my first poem wasn't a digger. I just, I remember just, I, it's like a lot of middle films in it in a trilogy. I, I wouldn't sit and watch it standalone, you know. Um, whereas the other two, I would sit and watch, you know, just on their own and not. Worry two about. was two was everything to me from really? the from the trainers that he had from yeah, the future yeah, yeah. to the hoverboard. You know, just that vision of of the future. I was just enamored was awesome. with yeah. you know that tiny pizza that goes in the pizza yeah, yeah. and then becomes, uh, <laughs> you know, the well something to feed a family of five six you know in seconds and just everything about it you know the giant shark from outside the, the was it the diner um no it was the it cinema was, it was jaws wasn't it like jaws yeah but just as a vision of 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 the future i was just yeah totally enamored by it and um it's yeah. interesting though because you know like as a trilogy i was thinking about this they had to keep it within people's lifetimes didn't they because the whole point of it was you saw people when they were older younger you know they couldn't do it 100 years in the future because you wouldn't know mm. yeah i mean obviously the third one's a bit of an exception but particularly the first two so it it almost like it was a bit of a, they had to make the future futuristic didn't they but obviously it was totally unrealistic to think that much would change in 30 years you know um, yeah. i guess that was part of the joke wasn't it so one other thing i was going to say about what it means to me i didn't say at the start was I, and you kind of touched on it, Imran, but that I don't think I remember a film since where there was so much anticipation for the sequel because people waited five years, didn't they, or four years? And, you know, I can remember, like, everybody wanted... Because they'd kind of preempted it, hadn't they, at the end with the, the scene we just spoke about. And we waited. Yeah, I just I'm felt like we, to... we waited four years for that, didn't we? You know, and it, I can remember people talking about it. Oh, what's going to happen in the second one? And I, I, when it when it came out, I mean, I couldn't tell you the date, but I can remember exactly where I was. Right, I can remember being in an assembly at school, senior school, and we had this guy doing an assembly. He was a teacher. He was the RE teacher. Now, all of his assemblies were very religious focused, and I remember he said he asked a question to like the kids. He went, "What's happening on Friday?" And someone put their hand up and said, "Back to the Future Two is coming out," and he went, "Yes." 
and then he started, <laughs> he did an assembly on Bad Teacher. You know, like everybody would like just could not wait to see that film. And hang on a minute, does the end, I don't think the end of Back to the Future One preempts Back to the Future Two, mm. is it? Yeah, as that little scene that where he turns up on the driveway and says, "You've got to come back to me," and then it says to be continued. Yeah, uh, roads where we're going, we don't need yeah. roads. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's at the Robin, end. It's your kids, Marty. We've got yeah, to yeah. fix your kids. Yeah, yeah, that's at the end of one and at the start yeah. of two. Oh, okay. But do you know a little fact about that little scene? The, the differences, no. do you know? So if you watch the end of the first one, it's with the first Jennifer actress. Right. And then they refilmed oh, yeah. it frame by frame with... Um, oh, really? What's her name out of Karate Kid? You know. Um, Is it Shu? Yeah, it is for Shu. It was Shu, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. But if yeah. and if you, I'm sure if you go on YouTube, you can watch a comparison, and it is like really spot, spot oh, on. I had no idea. Yeah, they refilmed it with her. It's absolutely spot on. There's a couple of little subtle differences that people point out, but it's just really well done. You know, like they literally just remade that just for the continuation going forward. Amazing. Yeah, it's just really look like it. Yeah. I would argue that the anticipation, which was completely undeserved for Phantom Menace. Yeah, that's true. Maybe the Lord of the Rings trilogy was was bigger than this, but I think that was because we were older and a bit more... That's true. um, Maybe Star Wars trumps it. Because you're a big fan of the prequels, aren't you, Dan? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're they're looking pretty good now compared to the... Sequels. What do you call them? Sequels, yeah. But anyway, let's let's not go there. (laughs) Another show. We we did another podcast, um, God, I don't know if it was the Liberation Frequency podcast um, where we talked about how disappointing um, the the fact that things like hoverboards and self drying jackets and trainers <laughs> that with with self tying shoelaces don't exist hmm. and they still don't really exist. No. I think they have made they have now made the trainers. I think hmm. they probably cost about a thousand pounds. I don't know how it's so difficult to do a pair of shoes that with a mechanism that tightens mm. them up. That's all it needs. But they have those stupid. Uh, I think they're like they're like mini segways, and for some reason they've called them mm. hoverboards. And you can buy right. replica hoverboards that don't hover. It's just so disappointing. I mean, where's my <laughs> hover car? I demand it. But yeah, I mean, this is a whole another podcast about. But- technology. I'm sure you've read it as well, but there are things they people say were predicted in the film. There are some things they got right, like the big big screen TVs. You know, the, the sort of almost Skype call he does with uh, okay, needles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And there was something. Oh, the you know when he's in the like the town square and someone does someone ask for a donation. It's like a touch screen sort of. Um, yeah. It's like an iPad, isn't it? He goes, oh, you can just do it here, you know. And, um, and I have well, a fax in my toilet that tells me I've been fired every now and then. <laughs> a fax. <laughs> yeah. um, by, by the uh, bass player from, uh, wasn't he at Red Hot Chili Peppers, that guy? Uh, Flea. Flea, that's <gasps> it. Yeah. That was Flea. Yeah. I had no idea. I, oh, my God, I totally didn't see it. I can see it now. Mm. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I mean, these are all plot points, friends that you're all able to remedy because I ridiculously in the intro didn't say what the ultimate purpose of this episode is. Uh, this is our pitch. Hang on, can we go back oh. to the start of the podcast? And we, yes. That. 
I'm gonna um, uh, I want to say roads where I'm going. We don't need roads, mm. but I've got no words before that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make it happen. Now I've done it. You're 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 kind of <laughs> used to inserting yourself into interesting places. So the purpose of the. <laughs> Sorry, is this a, a carry-on podcast or a Back to the Future one? Um, oh, wasn't carry-on camping great, wasn't it? Yeah. Huge plot hole there. Yeah. I prefer carry-on constable, but yeah, mm. different podcast, guys. Focus. Is that, was that, anyway. Um, yeah, so the purpose of this podcast ultimately is to pitch... Uh, Back to the Future 4. We've been discussing it as a trilogy, which at the end of this podcast, it will no longer be because they will be an official script for number four, uh, which we'll be deciding upon of the three versions of the movie that we're all going to pitch now. Um, And I don't know what we're all going to do. It could be a one-line pitch. (laughs) It could be an hour pitch with um, PowerPoint presentations attached. I'm not sure how in-depth anyone's gone. But let's go to dan first if we may and dan's gonna make his pitch for the ultimate back to the future four when you are ready sir okay you're gonna like this so um my process was i tried to work out from the first three films was there any key character or rather a background character so none of the the main like none, none of the family, not not um, Doc or Marty, not not Biff, a character who appears in the most important scenes. Um, not not even really a background character, but but a, a character who appears in every single film in some of the most important film, uh, sorry, important film scenes where the key plot points happen. Can I interrupt and tell you who I think you're going to say? Go on. Einstein the dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Turner and Hooch. It's just going to be. <laughs> or Beethoven. That's a good one. But, that uh, is a good one. He fits the bill of everything you just described. He really does. He does. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's a separate pitch. But no, it is, it is an Einstein. My pick is Principal Strickland. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Because if you think about it, um, in if you if you start in the first film, so in the 50s, he, he's obviously the principal of a school where this random kid who doesn't go to that school appears, causes many different scenes of mayhem. You know, he's there... You know, he he sees him not only at the school in the in the various exchanges with um, Biff, Marty's mum, and George McFly, um, but he also sees him um, at the Enchantment Under the Sea Ball. I hope I've got that right. Mm, dance, called. yeah, yeah, dancer, yeah, and 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 also part of that timeline, even though it's in the second film. He also he he confiscates the book off mm. of Biff, um, the the almanac or the the Ooh La La uh, magazine, and 
he is also in the alternative future where he's, you know, got a shotgun. <laughs> That's right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Being threatened by his past students who are mm. presumably in league with um, the millionaire or billionaire Biff. And he is also Sheriff Strickland in the third film. So my my pitch is that there is a point, um, possibly in in the fifties, where he he either steals or stows away in the uh, DeLorean and ends up because it because it's set for the um, Wild West. He goes back in time, and that's not it's not. Um, his grand grandfather or great 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 grandfather. That's that's basically him as himself in that timeline. Oh, so so what we saw was him all along. Yeah, exactly. Nice. And obviously, I like that. Yeah. the details of of when he stows away and when he steals the the DeLorean, because you know the the tricky thing is you would have to follow. You, you literally have to follow this background narrative. So similar to what you, you see in the second film where you're, you're reliving those events. Um, yeah, you're reliving the events from the, from the first film in the second film with new characters inserted in it. The fourth film could basically be exactly that. It's, it's, it's revisiting the events of all the first three films, only that you see more things happening that you didn't see in those timelines. Mm. And in each of those scenes that you didn't see, but in the same timelines in the background, it involves Strickland because, you know, he's an intelligent guy. He knows that Marty uh, McFly, the young, the young Marty McFly does not belong in the 1950s. He, he must be aware in, um, you know, because you think of him in the 80s, he knows that, hang on, that suddenly this kid has reappeared. So when, when obviously Marty went to school, when he got to a certain age, he'd be able to say, hang on, you look awfully similar to this kid <laughs> that I taught. No, not why well, he didn't actually teach him, but showed up out of the blue and caused a lot of problems and played amazing guitar mm. in the... Yeah, in in the in the fifties, and it's like that's hang a on. brilliant idea. So he knew he knew more than we he thought. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's he's not necessarily he 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 he's part of the plot, but without without having a direct impact on what Marty and Doc do, or their kids do, or Biff does. Hmm. He's just there, kind of experiencing the the repercussions of what they're doing and obviously if he finds out about the time machine the delorean and he's fascinated you know because he's a teacher he's got an inquisitive mind and he somehow works out what's going on and and because you you think of it that the time um the delorean appears in multiple kind of timelines at multiple times so there's quite a lot of opportunities for him to either stow away in it, he doesn't even have to steal it because he could steal it and bring it back without anyone knowing because it's a time machine. Mm. He can do what he wants with it as long as he 
figures out, you know, that there's obviously in the glove box, there's a manual telling you how to use it. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I mean, he, maybe he left the instructions for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Or, or he could have even at some point um, talked to old Biff and old Biff told him what happened. Hmm. But yeah, or he could have stowed away in, um, in the back, just like Marty did when he was... Um, Oh no, no, he didn't. That was he. He stowed away in the back of Biff's car. But mm. yeah, he could have. I presume a DeLorean has a boot. I'm not actually sure it does. I don't, I don't know where he would stow away. Maybe clinging onto the bottom or something. Or he could be because ultimately, um, Doc Brown ending up in the the Western was by accident. It was that it loses control of its circuits in the storm or something, right? So maybe Strickland's responsible for sending it back there. Hmm. Maybe that's where he wanted to go. Ooh, yeah. But didn't, I I always thought, I can't remember, you guys might be able to get a handle on this better, but I, for some reason, I always thought that the, the controls in the DeLorean were preset to the 50s. No, not 50s, what is it? The Wild West is that? 1830s or something 1850s I don't it was know. 1885 1885 so he I thought it was preset to that because Doc always had this plan and somehow that plan got interrupted but I it it feels like in my head that happened but wasn't the con- I think the I controls think was, were failing weren't they do you remember yeah kept, they were kept, changing dates yeah. or something because he, he was in, he was hitting in the, the air that's it and he was going oh, oh bloody thing sort of thing yeah and he and was then, hitting yeah, it was just yeah. random dates were appearing and then by seemingly by accident in you know he he hasn't pro well I'm not aware hmm. I'm, I could be wrong I haven't seen it for a little while but I think the date appeared by accident because the as, as you said Stu the control was failing he, he said didn't he we'll there. go back to 1985 now because they want about it was the point they were supposed to be going home, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think it kept taking a hundred years off. And but I, I really like this idea because do you know what would be really cool? And they've done it with. I haven't actually seen it, but I know they do it now with films. You know, they did it with um, the the new Coming to America film, where you see like scenes that you'd never seen before, if you know what I mean. But in the same timeline or whatever, you know. Yeah. I believe they extend bits and stuff. I think you said you'd seen it, but you know, there yeah. could be whole yeah. scenes of like every time they went to get in the DeLorean you saw like five minutes before where it was him bringing it back and stuff you know and um wait it wouldn't even have to be five minutes before but it could be like the just the bit before couldn't it you know like you know what's happened you know he's like yeah carefully he's, placed it back and yeah. he's he's in so many key scenes he mm. only has to kind of either work work out something or be a little bit curious about something because and just decide okay what's going on here and he sees the doc or he sees Marty, he only has to follow one of them and that will end up taking him to the location of the DeLorean. So, mm. and yeah, there could be exactly as I said, and I think, I think that that does happen in coming to America too, or coming to America mm. as it's titled. But yeah, if you just had all these sort of where a scene ends, you know, Marty and doc, exit stage right but we we carry on following strickland mm. and then we we carry on seeing what what happens to him and what he's doing because there's a couple so, of scenes aren't there where like i can't think which timeline it was in where doc's like oh hide the time machine you know we can't let anyone see but maybe someone had found it <laughs> you know um 
it, you know, it gets left, doesn't it? You know, yeah. yeah, they don't do a particularly great job. I mean, no. at the end of the day, that what, what, even if they they might hide it when it's there already, but someone, I mean, Strickland only has to look out of his window, you know, in a car in a nearby road and see see this thing appear from thin air. You know what I mean? It's like someone could have seen it. That was my issue with like the the train at the end of the trilogy. You know, it's like you don't just like fly an enormous train around and nobody notices. Yeah. Don't they hide the DeLorean behind the um a billboard. billboard. Yeah. Yeah. Literally yeah. a billboard. I mean <laughs> if that billboard, you know, if someone came and changed the advert on the billboard or yeah. But again, going back to my earlier point, they make a good joke of that, don't they? Because you know when it goes into the farm at the start, when he first mm. goes back, the little boy who sees it as reading comics, isn't he, with that's a sci-fi comics, and he goes, that he doesn't he say that's an alien, isn't it? And yeah, well, that's yeah, a spaceship yeah. or something. And then the the farmer comes out with a shotgun, and so they kind of like account for it, don't they? And yeah. um, and then yeah. and, and Marty does that thing, doesn't he, in the um, you know the um protective suit for the for the plutonium you know the yeah. the he, he pretends to be a man from, you know like a, uh, an alien doesn't he? he tends to be darth vader actually doesn't he? you know and he gives george the instructions yeah. to, you know everything, again everything's got a reason in it that, or, or if it's stupid they kind of make a joke of it you know well you know also and I, i've probably mentioned this in another podcast but there is a seth MacFarlane film called uh, I don't know something like worst things that can happen in the world, wild west. Or I've heard of it, yeah, yeah. Um, and in that, which I think is obviously set in the wild wild west, and presumably is set um, around the eighteen eighties, if not eighteen eighty five. I'm not not actually sure, mm. but yeah, um, Seth MacFarlane's character uh, walks into a barn and you know, Doc Brown is in the barn with this quite obviously badly covered up DeLorean. Mm. So, which is really weird that they would kind of, that Easter egg, kind of, well, it's not really an Easter egg. It's a fairly, um, you know, kind of big scene. That mm. I've that seen it, actually. I haven't seen the film, but I've seen that clip. It's, it's yeah. popped up on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's just weird that it's added to, uh, relatively, I'm not, I'm not, not criticizing the film particularly, but you know, thinking of it, you know, as this just kind of one-off comedy. It's not the, the type of film that you would imagine Doc Brown reprising, you know, that role for. So yeah, just a mm. bit of so random aside there. <laughs> but it's it is a captivating idea, I guess. When you think about it, there are a lot of characters across those three films that you know you know i guess seemingly oblivious to all the things that are happening you know in the main story that directly impacts them and their their respective well say futures but pasts as well so i mean uh yeah to to sort of to take one and kind of explore them and how they fit in and around those movies and those scenes i think that's a really great idea so So i've actually i've got the name it's uh back to the future four City Slackers. <laughs> I would have gone with Slack of the Future. Oh, Slack of the Future. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's good. That's good. <laughs> or Strictly Strickland. Oh, that's good. Strickland come dancing. 
<laughs> All right, this is good. So we've 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 brought um, Back to the Future Four one step closer to reality. This is very exciting. Mm. It's a great, it's a great pitch. It's a really it's a good pitch. idea. I like that. Mm. If we partner him with Einstein, I think that it's gold. Turner and Hooch. That would be <laughs> awesome if somehow he ends up with Einstein. That would just be. Yeah, they could just yeah, you could just play all of Einstein's scenes with just like a a, a voiceover like uh like Bruce Willis from the Who's Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's back to the future for what's going on here? Oh my god, they're doing it again. Do they never learn? Is that uh, sorry, is that is that bark to the future? Oh, <laughs> so good. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> With its own spin-off cartoon as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. There was a cartoon, wasn't there? There was, yeah. Uh, I never watched it. I, I'm not a fan of cartoon spin-offs. Just kidding. <laughs> so they're, near, they're nearly... I was, I was looking at this the other day, and they're nearly always... Not, not now, not in the noughties. I think things get done that seem to work. But back then, the, the Bill and Ted spin-off, the mm. Back to the Future spin-off, there were so many... Bad animated spin-offs that mm. yeah just shouldn't have ever been allowed. You're to a big uh, real Ghostbusters fan though, aren't you? Because I remember you did a podcast on it. Me? Are you not a fan of it? I thought you did a whole podcast. Well, he did a Ghostbusters podcast. But you right? spoke a lot about the cartoon in it. I thought. Yeah, I mean, to be Roth is a hardcore mm. real Ghostbusters. Mm. Fan. I mean, I, I remember I, listening I did... to it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I did. Enjoy, I did enjoy it, but um, I. I wouldn't say I was uh, as much of a kind of rabid fan as mm. Roth is because I didn't. I can I can only remember probably one season of it. Mm. I was probably getting a bit old for cartoons at that point because they yeah. then had the Extreme Ghostbusters, which was kind of the same thing but mm. with a few slightly different That's right, characters. Yeah, yeah it's a bit. Yeah, a bit I just weird. tend to turn them off those spin-offs i never liked them there was the do you remember the droids one the star wars one as well oh yeah i think yeah Yeah. it's probably just getting too old for it you know yeah i think we were yeah i've grown up now 45 year old man talking about back to the future (laughs) 44 actually yeah we we need to discuss which karate kid figure you'd like but yeah Yeah. (laughs) is it like is it my um you should have done a competition and yeah (laughs) Win uh, Sato and Miyagi from Karate Kid Ramco. <laughs> so Imran, Imran, let's get back on track. What, what would be your pitch for Back to the Future Four? Okay, okay. Um, you can have to bear with me on this one. The tension. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, I, uh, there are so many threads to it. I don't know where to start. So this way, right, so back to you, uh, and Imran Mirza presents production of Back mm-hmm. to the Future 4 would go like this. It's a few months after the concluding events of Back to the Future 3. We're still in 1985. Marty is looking hopeful to an exciting future. Uh, he has a great family. He has Jennifer. Everything's great. Doc Brown and his family now have, you know, committed to a life of traveling the, well, the the galaxy through time um, and everything is where it is. Um, 
Doc Brown turns. Is there space yeah. travel in this one? <laughs> Did I say space? <laughs> the galaxy. It's a galaxy. <laughs> Did I say the galaxy? Uh, traveling through time. Yeah. Yeah, traveling through time. I beg your pardon. Uh, well, actually, yes, on Back to Future 4, my version, yes, he's, he can travel through space as well. Why not, damn it? Uh, no, he can't. Um, uh, so, Marty... <laughs> uh, no, Doc Brown turns up to Marty, much the same way as in at the end of number one. Marty! And he's like, hey, oh, my God, like, Doc Brown. Like, it's been, I didn't think I'd see you this soon. Is everything okay? No, Marty. It's cataclysmic errors i have made and i we have to fix this we, i need your help so basically what happens is the film op- would open in 2688 2688 okay yeah i want to see how hard of a diehard fan anyone is wow. does that date ring any bell to anyone so no? 2688 2688 that ring any bell for anyone okay no it's a glorious utopian future that is slowly starting to crumble around it, around itself. A time traveler named Rufus has uh, deduced that. Oh my God. Was that- <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Hang on. A time traveler named Rufus has deduced that the glorious utopia built around the music of the wild stallions oh my God. is slowly starting to crumble. Something this, has gone wrong. Is this yes, a crossover? Cross it, it's a, we're crossing over. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> the music of the Wild Stallions has it has it has is not now holding up this glorious utopia that was built around it. Rufus has figured out that someone has been traveling through time and altering events that lead up to to this glorious future. And he, as a time traveler in a phone box, locates Doc Brown, a time traveler in a train. And he explains, you, we have to undo events that you, you think have been seemingly fleeting. Uh, however, they have had considerable impact to the, to the future future. And you are unaware of the impact that your actions have caused. Uh, so Doc Brown's like, oh, Jesus, let's fix this. Part of, of this is now the Wild Stallions music can no longer sustain the utopia by itself. <laughs> they need a third member of the oh. band. <laughs> is it? Is it an old? Is it a blues riff in B? Watching it's a blues. Follow me for the changes. Yeah. Try and keep up. So he, so Marty has to join the Wild Stands, and I've done my homework. I'm off time wise because Bill and Ted came out in '89. And this kid's it, doesn't matter with time, it doesn't matter with time. It doesn't traveling. matter with time. You're right. Yeah. It's relative. But they are all California-based. Oh, so make that it, Well, Hill Valley is the is the extent of Marty's hometown. That don't say anything beyond that. But it was Hill Valley was actually filmed in California. I looked it up. So <laughs> that, wow. so it's right by San Dimas. <laughs> so they're kind of neighbors. So Marty McFly has to join the Wild Stallions. And uh, so they have to make music together with Bill and Ted. And um, and uh, it becomes a, a time travel escapade to undo events. And they locate it to something Biff did when he went back in time in, in Back to the Future 2. So it's a bit of a time travel. Mm. So you'll get Marty in the phone booth and Bill and Ted in the DeLorean. It and um, sounds like my perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's rocky in it as well it's, <laughs> and apollo creed 
No, but I did consider bringing in Dean Stockwell as Al as another time traveler. <laughs> Bring them all in. Get, get Bring them all in. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? It'd be like it was a scene. You'd get like, excellent, great, Scott, yo, Adrian. Oh. <laughs> it's like this is like the it's like one of those dreams I have. <laughs> But uh, yeah, there you go. That's that's my my picture back to oh the. Oh God, make it! I want to see it. Love I'm it. gonna I'm gonna because buy um. That is a big in. thing, isn't it? Because I when I think of Bill and Ted, you never really know. You know, Rufus is there to help them make the music, hmm. but it's it's always a bit odd that what what led to them like why does he think he needs to do that? Well, it wasn't to help them make the music. He's spe- isn't he specifically there to help them pass history? Yeah, got so that's what, time. and that, which is part of what Doc is messing up, <laughs> which is why they keep failing history. <laughs> yeah, so Doc, Doc in, had an effect the on the plot. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah well, it was very recent. I haven't seen it, yeah. but that's bogus journey. That's exactly what happens because they're, they're supposed to create the music. They've been given all these this help to to allow them to make the music but in the third film they they haven't they've failed mm. and things are starting to go wrong and it's like yeah it, it it it's a little bit odd by that point because you're like all the first two films were all about sort of enabling them i guess to make this amazing music this mm. prophecy and then in the third film they haven't done it and they're starting get starting to get really worried about it, which is, yeah, it, it's 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 a really sort of strange thing because it I could more believe that Doc Brown had somehow got involved with the timeline and fucked it up than I could <laughs> that the, the third film happened the way it did, just sort of seemingly by chance. I I think we've had this discussion, but I. I totally agree with you, but I did quite enjoy the new Bill and Ted film. Ugh. I thought it was all right. Weird premise, I agree. Like, it didn't make a lot of sense, but I quite enjoyed what, like, I felt it was done, it wasn't like a spoof, was it? It was kind of done totally as if they were making it back then, you know, with the same sort of principles, and it was made like an 80s film, you know, like the pace of it and everything, and I, I thought it was quite good. I thought Keanu Reeves was a little uncomfortable in the role. Do you know what I mean? I I, I was really happy to see. Uh, is 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 it Paul Winter? The, no. Alex. Alex. Alex yeah. Winter back in no, that yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah, because I really, I really loved him. You know, in the, in the eighties and nineties, mm. he was kind of like this really important movie figure, and then mm. he just disappeared because he was in Lost Boys as well, wasn't he? And then oh he yeah. Just sort of, yeah. He was in a few other films in smaller roles, and then he just vanished. So, having having him back was awesome. And but apparently, he nearly had a really really good career, but but uh, Doc Brown screwed it up. Um, <laughs> he was going to an he was going to an audition and uh, got run over by DeLorean. So, <laughs> well, that would make make a hell of a lot of sense. But um, yeah, it's really weird that he didn't because you think of. Um, Oh God! I'm trying to think of the most of the stars of Lost Boys and Bill and Ted all went on to have 
fairly big careers. I know mm. Napoleon, you know, he could have appeared in more movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and Missy, whoever that actress was. Yeah, yeah Missy could have yeah. slept with more dads. That would have been great. Because mm-hmm. the new one's got um, the the dads in it, isn't he? You know, the police chief, yeah. who I, I just assume yeah. would be too old to be in it, but he, yeah. Yeah, and they bring Death back, who was that's right. pretty awesome. But yeah, I think that's that's a brilliant concept. I love it. No, I love uh, it. I love them both. <laughs> I think I think these need to be made because I, I love the fact that um, the the first rule of thumb, both Imran and I, are going, we're not we're not going to try and bring back Doc and Marty, as in like force those actors to. Uh, what's the word? Reprise their roles because mm. we kind of know that a they don't want to do it, and b the creators of of the um, franchise aren't really keen on doing what you would call a straight sequel that follows yeah. Yeah. their story. But well, I think for Michael J. Fox, anyway, for kind of obvious reasons, where whereas Doc. He seems to be, you know, he seems to love, um, uh, sorry, Christopher Lloyd seems to still love doing Doc cameos. So it kind mm. of makes more sense to have him in a film. But um, I'm surprised but that. Yeah. Would, how, how, would you, yeah. how would you do? Because obviously, yeah, man, so mine obviously doesn't really, mine, they would kind of be background characters. But how would you, how would you account for the car, you know, re, Bring bring back um, uh, Martin the DeLorean film. Oh, um, well, I mean, it's it's it, it's it's sheer fantasy. It was just. Oh, yeah, I, I thought it was real. Sorry. No, but <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I thought you was going to pitch this. Yeah, I was. I've got Robert Zemeckis on line three, guys. So, <laughs> he's uh, thinking, it, like, what the hell? He's waiting to see which of the three we think is the best. <laughs> I, and I'd probably, on as well. probably get him to, to, to hang up now. He's not going to like mine. <laughs> but no, I'm, and I'm answering him man's question. But when you said about this, I was like, I was always thinking, no, no, it could never be done. But with all this de-aging and well, that's various other technology, it could actually be done, couldn't it? Like that there aren't that, like, you know, in reality, Michael J. Fox could probably do the voice and they could probably, they probably like technically could do this now. Or, I mean, in fairness, I mean, obviously, health issues aside, it could be them at this age. Well, I read, I read an article. 85. I read an article. And I, I'm telling. I'm sure I was telling Dan about this. I cannot find it now, but there was an article. It was a well-known. I think it was a comedian who actually did pitch Back to the Future Four, um, and got. Oh. I cannot. It might have even been the Family Guy person. You know, I do not know it, but they came up with this pitch, and he said it was. He he made the point that if it was set in 1985, everyone could play their um, older characters, couldn't they? You know, um, uh, you know, because oh, people like Lee Thompson um, was made up. So most of the, most of the, you know, your Lee Thompsons, the the dad, uh, Biff, could all play their 1985 people without being made up to look older now. Oh, that's funny. Oh yeah, so Michael, <laughs> yeah, Michael so, J. Fox could play George McFly. No, but <laughs> no, but everyone in '85 he was made to look older, so that would be yeah, the mum, yeah. dad, Biff could comfortably play yeah, those roles yeah, now you, at that age. You did, yeah. you did mention this, um, and I cannot find it, but I thought, wow, what a great idea! 
Um, I think it was it, like it a sh- Seth MacFarlane, because um, yeah, he's a, a massive he's a big fan. fan. Yeah. I, I want to do a correction. Sorry, I said Robert Zemeckis as the score. Yes. It's Alan, Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri. Um, I got my. Uh, did he do Rocky? Did he do Rocky? I think he did, didn't he? The music. I think he did. Yeah. Oh, which none of us have mentioned. Like, what a great soundtrack the film has. I mean, it really is totally iconic, isn't it? and it gives you certain feelings when you hear it. You know, what Rocky? No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think. I don't think he did Rocky. He did no, Forrest no. He did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, did he do Rocky? Oh, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Um. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, he could be, he could be de-aged. He could, you could be de-age Marty. He de-aged Michael J. Fox for eighty-five, but most of the other people he was around would be all right. Yeah, because Doc was, um... Brown, it feels like he's been playing. Yeah, he's grown like... into that, hasn't he? He's grown into yeah. that because he was he's probably at yeah. the age he was meant to be when yeah. he first played Doc yeah. Brown. Which he he was probably a lot younger. I don't know. He's quite... I wonder how old he was. It was what's that? Thir- um, how many years ago is the film? Like 35 years. He's now in his 80s, and he, yeah, he's probably quite a bit younger than he's in his 50s, I guess. But I don't know how old Doc was supposed to be, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, Iman and I, talked about this, and we, we talked about the backstory mm. uh, to Doc and how it's quite mysterious when you actually. Think about it because they don't they don't focus on him. We know he exists in the in the eighties, and we know he existed in the fifties, mm. but we don't know anything else. But anyway, before we before we 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 shouldn't start doing another segue, Stu. We want to hear your pitch. Okay, I'm glad Iman said his had a lot of threads because I just wrote loads and loads of stuff down. But <laughs> mine's got a. Is this going to be the Christopher Nolan directed <laughs> No. <laughs> Just tell me to stop if we run out of time. Mine's got a working title. Now bear with me, it's a little bit controversial, but it's working title of um, Back to the Future 4. <laughs> Are there words afterwards or is that it? No, Did it. your mic cut out? Okay, I, I, I just like... couldn't think of anything else. Okay, right, my one. <laughs> I just couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> Or anything else will stop. Can we end the podcast now? That's it. Yeah. I better go on with this because this could take some time. I'll try and condense it. Oh, by the way, Rocky's soundtrack was by Conti. Yeah, I've been waiting for my segue to say Fair enough. Okay, Back to the Future 4. It starts three minutes before the end of Back to the Future 3. So you know the bit where the train comes down, right? Okay. Doc's talking to Marty on the train. And Jennifer's there, I believe. Um, then, you know, this discussion we had about how you can see scenes that, you know, parts, extensions of scenes you've never seen before with technology. So then we see, so he's talking to Marty. Then we see a long shot from the back, right? And there's people gathering around crowds because obviously this massive train's just appeared out of nowhere. Um, and we see Biff. And he, he sort of, pushes past the crowds and climbs up on the train and gets in it right we see where this is heading and we cut back to the original scene and you know unbeknown to them biff's climbed in right so doc does his big speech 
flies off the end. Right. Marty and Jennifer then go home. And everything feels normal, but everything's changed in true Back to the Future style. So this is where it gets... I take, I take my inspiration for this, right? You know the new Ghostbusters film had a bit of Stranger Things in it. I thought it could be updated, the genre, so it's got a bit of that kind of feel about it. Right, so everything's changed, right? Everyone that Marty meets at that point on has got Biff's personality, right? So like little kids in the street are like, hey, butthead, and your shoes are untied. And, and, and actually, I thought as a joke, right, just as the train flies off, Jennifer could sort of like be a bit like Biff, you know, call him butthead, and he sort of goes like, what are you talking about, you know? Um, he goes home, all his family are like it. Everybody's like a clone of Biff. They look the same as we expect. Okay, so how how did this happen, right? Obviously, something's gone wrong in the past. So we then cut to, this is where it goes a bit stranger thing. So Doc arrives in like the 1930s, maybe, or the 1940s Hill Valley. And he conveniently parks his train in like a big farm or something that he's bought, you know. And then we have like a bit of exposition to tell the story. So, he, you know, he tells the kids that, you know, there's this great scientist in this period, right? that he wants to meet you know he's like doc's hero he's like hill valley's greatest scientist and biff's obviously overhearing all this because he, he's gone along for for the ride um so biff overpowers the um doc and his family maybe locks them up or something you know and he starts to see like a sort of opportunity here so he's like wow i've got this like amazing bit of technology and there's this like great scientist you know um so he goes and goes and meets him and he forms like a sort of unlikely friendship with him, you know, don't know how I was thinking maybe it could be he saves his life. Or I don't know, but somehow he gets along with him and he says like, I've got this like amazing bit of technology and the guy believes him because he's a bit of a sort of mad scientist. So this guy is like working in like a government top secret Hawking style laboratory, like working on like mind control and stuff like that, you know? Um, so him and Biff get on, Biff shows him the train and, he obviously wants like payment of some description because that's Biff's motivation. So the scientist says like, I'm going to pay you better than that. I'm going to make you like really powerful. And he, he, he uses Biff in like this sort of like brainwashing experiment where like everyone in Hill Valley gets like his personality. It's like something he's working on for the military. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I don't know where this is heading, by the way. (laughs) And then, this that's what's changed the timeline right so then biff and this scientist go off on this like adventure in the train through multiple timelines like and they're what they're what they're doing is they're claiming credit for like the world's greatest scientific inventions okay making money along the way that kind of thing this goes on and on and on right oh my god this is amazing doc gets a letter to Marty and tells him <laughs> this is this is the payoff, right? It tells him it tells him to go to his old lab, right? And this is like where we get loads of callbacks from from like the original. And you know like Doc was like making videos and stuff like that on that VCR. He says like you've yeah. got to watch this video and this is like his emergency plan. So we we see a bit more of the video that we'd never seen before, right? And then on that video we learn that if in case of an emergency Doc made a second time machine, right? And this there's a bit of a joke here. And he says it's like in the vaults of his laboratory or whatever, you know. But what as he's reading the as he's hearing the instructions, we find out that he didn't have the budget for another DeLorean and it's like a really crappy, like, you know, um 
Only four uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, I was looking at a Citroen CV. So the big thing, it's got all the technology in it, but Marty's got to get it up to the right speed. So it does that thing in possibly a montage, goes back to wherever Doc is in the 30s, and then they go on this like journey to stop this 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 guy and Biff. And basically, I was thinking they obviously reversed the whole process Blah, 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 blah. And I thought the payoff could be at the end. I was going to say it could be Doc's wedding, but I don't know if he actually got married to Clara. It could be at a wedding and the wedding car turns up and it's the DeLorean and they're getting it. And off they go on another adventure. Wow. So, um, what did Mr. Zemeckis think? That kids is why you shouldn't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh mate, uh, that's well. You win the points for the most detailed. Yeah, probably a bit um, too much detail though. You know, no, maybe. No. dude, it's got to be a four-hour movie. So I know. See, the trouble is, I, was, I got to the middle <laughs> bit, and I was thinking that's two hours gone already, and I've actually got to the point. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be? <sighs> wouldn't it be good if um, the the scientist you were talking about this this scientist that Biff ends up. Um, working with was um doc brown's evil brother oh that would be good hans brown (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's isn't there a rapper called doc brown there is uk rapper yeah yeah he could be maybe he could just be doc brown the rapper (laughs) 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 yeah anyway oh mate that's this is uh that's really cool. Oh, when he meets the Karate Kid on the way home. <laughs> he runs over his other, his good leg, his uninjured leg. <laughs> There's no um, second or third film. Would Crispin come back for this, you think? No, he'd probably sue him. No. <laughs> I think this, this could bring Crispin back. He's an odd guy. He likes to go off left field, doesn't he? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, if anything's going to bring him back. This is it. Um, because Crispin Glover's a really strange one. I, I, I've I've delved into his kind of like film and TV catalogue since Back to the Future, and it's, it's pretty non-existent, but he did do a sort of horror movie where he was a man who, who was befriending and controlling rats. So... Ooh. Yeah, there you go. I tell you what, he was in. He had a cameo in another time traveling movie. Can you think what it is? Uh, More recent. Uh, Inception. Oh, I know what it is. Uh, the hot tub. Yeah, yeah. He, wasn't yeah, he like the, the hot tub think, time machine? Yeah, I think he was yeah. like the sort of bellboy character. That's right. Thing. He had. Um, it, it was a really cool recurring oh. gag, isn't it? Don't they know him where he's got no arm or something? That's it. He keeps getting injured or something, doesn't he? He keeps remember. getting injured. They go back in time, and every time they see him go through these series of mishaps, they're like, "Oh, this is where he loses his arm," but it's not where he loses his that's arm. It. Um, yeah, that that's, was yeah, that was quite funny actually. That's a quite a good film actually. I tend to remember. Well, you know, silly film, but but of course he had the um, the Charlie's Angels bit as well, which was such a bizarre. I don't remember that. Kind what of, was that? He was like that kind of. 
was the bad guy, wasn't he's he? He's the baddie. Yeah, not uh, like the main yeah. baddie. Um, but he, yeah, that kind of guy who he, they fight a, a few times. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Mm. But he's like mega that. kick-ass in that film as well. Like, it's it's such a bizarre casting, but it's, it totally works. He's mm. scary as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he's a great actor. I really love him and everything. It's just weird that he... Well, it's weird that he didn't... Well, A, he re- refused to be part of the, the Back to the Future um, sequels. Mm. And then he kind of disappeared for a long time. But yeah, yeah, you're right. He did he kind of did show up again in the early noughties. But yeah, very odd. Mm. Mm. Wow. I, for the record, don't think they should make Back to the Future 4. No, of course not. Especially not my one. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no i disagree i'd love to see it it's yeah there's so much to it it's all it's awesome but as we discussed on a previous podcast what i would love to see is a back to the future series done in the cobra kai fashion i thought you were going to say i i want to see a back to the future five and i thought well if you're making a four <laughs> <Yeah>. then <laughs> where, where's five coming from? Where's time travel? i don't want to see a back to the future four but i'd That'd love to see a five <laughs> That'd be brilliant if they say we've skipped a movie. Yeah, yeah I, I think it would be good. I kind of agree with you, Stu. I think it would be good if they they did a spin-off that definitely, like they they are like some kids uncovered uh, a DeLorean, like mm. you know, almost like almost as you said, he he could have built two, mm. and they uncover it, and there's there's hijinks and callbacks, but without. Yeah. Returning to like the the timeline with Doc and Martin, and like leave leave that alone. Leave those characters be. I mean, you you could ha- maybe have some cameos. You could maybe you know involve some of the fringe characters, but yeah. I would kind of try and move it away from that. So you're not messing with the classic, basically or classics. A bit, you know, a bit like they did with the new Ghostbusters film. You know, like how. They're kind of yeah. present, but they're not really in it, you know. Um, yeah, no, that that is a good example because I, I, everything I read about that film, I kind of it, it sounded like it was just going to be awful, but what they did was a, yeah. a kind of soft reboot that involved most of the major kind of characters, but mm. kind of kept them in the background. And yeah, mm. I that was that's kind of. I wouldn't say I, I don't. I don't think it's a brilliant film, but I think it was good enough for what it did. And I think that for a new generation of people, of kids and people who've not seen mm. the original, um, well, yeah, it's trilogy, wasn't it? Even though they mm. ignore all the events of the third film, I think it, that that is a good way of kind of keeping that uh, franchise alive. And they're doing they're doing. Uh, a TV series, aren't they? Of that now? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, it's sort yeah, of which, yeah, could be it's sort but, of um, it, it's quite good balance that in it, and it's the same for Cobra Kai. It kind of satisfies original fans just enough without. Well, I, th- I think yeah. Cobra Kai is a bit different because Cobra <clears throat> Kai it you it literally brings back every kind of character and storyline mm. from the original. Mm. Um, mm. And adds and adds layer after layer to those characters and to those original stories. Mm. Um, to the point, um, I don't know. I, there is one more season, isn't there? Because we just had yeah. season mm. five, um, and there's season six, which makes me think. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know who is left to bring back from that f- franchise. You guys probably 
no well, more. I can name someone, but I don't know if they actually appear in this season. So I, I, I'm only one episode in and we started it yesterday. Oh. Um, so, I mean, they're, I don't want to say it because if you guys, oh, no, she's in it. Oh, I've always said she, I've blown it. But um, uh, I mean, Hillary yeah. Swank. I mean, Oh, she's not, yeah. but she's not really connected to anyone, so I don't think that there'd be. It's not something that would be an easy write-in. I mean, you could just have her and Daniel being super jealous of each other about who was closer yeah. to, to Miyagi. But other than that, there isn't really any story. Well, there. I, I don't think this is a spoiler because there's there's plenty of kind of I don't know articles about season five and. None of them ever mentioned Hillary Swank, so I think you're because she was a surprise. That's so that's possibly I haven't finished yet. Yeah, (laughs) I think Dan was leading into saying she's obviously not in it, morons. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well, do you think is she still is she still quite famous? Do you think she'd be too expensive for that series? Would they have the budget to bring her in? But okay, I don't know. I think it's that's a good. That is a I, I actually think... thought Elizabeth Shue, I, I mean, I, I was yeah. always surprised when she agreed to come back. And I was really hoping she would, when I heard she'd be in it, I, I hoped she would have been a more significant mm-hmm. presence, to be honest. You know, she only did like what one or two episodes and then that was that. And it's cool that yeah. she was in it. That's really cool of her. But I had hoped she would have been a, a you know, mm-hmm. a much longer lasting uh, presence within the, the show in general, to be honest. Yeah, and I and I think based on that blueprint, that's probably if they did, if they could afford and did bring um, Hillary Swank into it, that it would be like a one or maybe two episode kind of mm. cameo. I can't, I can't imagine, I can't imagine her lining up to fight the the bad guys. I I don't know, but but you you never know. I mean, you know, she if if she. If she had enough love for the film she was in and the franchise as a whole, then I mean, it's not as if I mean we talk about these kind of stars like they need the freaking money. She's <laughs> probably got you know hundreds of millions in the bank from the film she's done. It's not like like you know oh oh you're only going to pay me a hundred thousand. Oh, why why would I get out of bed for that? You know you'd hope that if you liked the role and wanted to be part of it, she would do that, but probably not how celebrities work. So yeah, who knows? Well, I, um, before we sign off, there were two things I really wanted to just give a shout out as regards to, uh, I think plot, uh, uh well, as, as opposed to homage, homages, I think is probably the best way to say it. But they, did you ever see, um, I think, Futurama? Uh, I really wanted to cite uh, this episode where they, I think they did a riff of Back to the Future once where the lead character, Fry, travels back in time. Has anyone seen this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he basically is in the same situation that Marty is with his mom, mm. but he goes through with it and then basically becomes his own grandfather, <laughs> which I thought was genius. It's one of the best things <laughs> ever. So I really really wanted to shout that out and also dan you 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 started to tell the story but then you you stopped doing it but in terms about uh, doc brown having no backstory uh and things like that and how it could potentially tie into the theory or the fan theory that potentially exists i didn't hear of it until you said it but that marty is doc and that i've not been able to stop thinking about it i think that's genius that is such a brilliant 
take Mar- on it. Marty is Doc. Marty is yeah. Doc. I don't, it doesn't matter. I, 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 I'm stuck on the 50s element of, well, he, how, why was there a Doc Brown in the 50s? Because obviously he would have to come back from the future. But I think as a, as a, just as a, as a line, what a brilliant, like, mind bender that, that, sort of is and i think that's uh yeah that's a super awesome that's your back to the future four that's gonna, <laughs> that's gonna really send me off on some weird googling <laughs> expeditions because mm. normally in time travel films or any kind of science fiction that involves time travel one of the one of the sort of number one rules is that you can't you can't coexist with your future self or past mm. self, mm. It, like it would cause um, a time paradox and the, the whole universe will fold in on itself. But that's not really true of Back to the Future because they they literally, there's so many points in those films where their future and past self, <laughs> and in, in some cases there's three versions of themselves in the same film mm, and it's mm. like and it never seems to you know what i mean i mean there's 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 an entire scene where doc brown has a conversation with himself, <laughs> with himself yeah. <laughs> yeah he passes the so, spanner to himself yeah exactly yeah. and i'm um and he, from that kind of logic that therefore young young marty being doc and and doc being future marty they could yeah they could absolutely see seemingly coexist in the mm. same narrative and 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 you know uh, i think if, if you read there there's quite a few different threads about it there's, there's quite a few on reddit but mm. yeah a lot mm. of people seem to think that doc brown is this sad lonely old man who who gave up his life for science and lost his family, wife and friends because of the dedication to science, which you kind of, that is pretty much what you, the, the impression you get from those films. He doesn't have any friends. He doesn't have any family. He doesn't mm. talk about anyone else. No one else seems to know who he is. Um, even in the fifties, they, they mention mm. him as this kind of eccentric old man. Well, not old mm. man, but eccentric scientist or eccentric guy. So he has this already has this aura of someone who is completely disconnected to anything else. Obviously, people know he's there, but that's about mm. it. So it would make sense that if he was this sad, lonely guy who who, who worked out how to do time travel, dedicated his entire life to that mm. and didn't do anything else, that suddenly you know, he gets to his 60s and thinks, oh, I, I had no life. I've got, I don't know anyone. I've got no family. What, what, what is the point in in having this time machine if I don't go back and tell my younger self, you know, I don't know, give, give your younger self some kind of advantage, which allows you to avoid that. Um, Mm. Because Marty is one of the, you know, he's, he's a bit of an airhead, but he's a lovely guy who, who, who clearly has a loving family. Um, and a loving girlfriend and obviously has kids. So it's kind of everything probably Doc, you know, may have wanted to be. The only thing that, that's a bit strange about it is do do Doc uh sorry, do Marty's family 
ever they they must know about Doc because Marty apparently was doing odd jobs for him and you know mm. spends a lot of time with this weird old guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because that would be Doc. You know, Marty's parents. If if he if he is Doc, then that's his parents as well. So yeah, there's there's quite a few threads to pull out with that one. Mm. But um, yeah, I always wondered how they became friends. Yeah, and I'm not a friendship. Yeah. Well, apparently, there, I, I I shared an article with Imran where um, I think um, the writers were talking about how it was a quite a natural thing that I think uh, Marty answered an advert or kind of did some odd jobs <clears throat> for Doc and then Doc kind of slowly became friends and 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 just liked Marty's company and then it, mm. it kind of spiralled from there. But, yeah, in, in their heads, it, it's a completely kind of natural story of how these two characters mm. met and became friends. There's nothing weird about it. There's no... There's no, there's no strange backstory. It is just kind of fairly normal. But um, I don't know, Iman, we talked about this and we talked about it um, probably on podcasts as well. But I just love the whole Rick and Morty thing because Rick and Morty is essentially based on uh, Doc and Marty. Mm-hmm. And they recently, for the for the last show which i think is just aired of rick and morty they did a live action trailer where the kid from uh the horror movie it hmm. um the, the kind of main kid in that who loses his brother he he plays um morty and rick is played by christopher lloyd <laughs> so it's the weirdest thing because when you think about it He's 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 playing Doc Brown, but he's playing a kind of alcoholic Doc Brown mm-hmm. at, in in a real life version of a cartoon, and it just mm-hmm. yeah, it, it almost breaks your mind when you start to mm-hmm. to, to analyze that. I, I assume you've seen the Family Guy episode of Back to the Future. Well, there's a few references, but there's there's a whole isn't there like one that really has a lot of it in it. Oh god, I, I can't. I can't remember. I have I seen haven't... a lot of Family Guy, but I, I can't remember the, bit, the back. The bit I remember was they did the scene at the dance, and it's um, what's the dog called? It's a Brian, isn't it? Brian's yeah. up on stage instead of a guitar. He's got he's got a guitar. Oh yeah, um, and he does yeah, Rick yeah. Astley. Yeah, and he plays with. They replaced Johnny Be Good with Rick Astley. Never got it like <laughs> with no explanation. What was at all? He does never going to give you up. Yeah, so stupid. <laughs> Is Biff the chicken as well? I can't remember. That's the only bit I remember. It just made me laugh. Yeah. Does he introduce it in the same way? I can't. I can't remember. I would say I don't even know whether it's whether that's a sequence within another episode or they don't do the whole episode, do they? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I can't remember, but yeah, I I know that. I know the song because it's so random that because doesn't he also hold the someone holds the telephone up to him singing and probably yeah. yeah. You know, you, you're listening, Rick. You you were after a new sound here. Yeah, it is, or take a listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Anyway, well, um, th- thank you very much, both. Uh, uh, yeah, no, massively enjoyable uh, episode. We we should plan 
uh, further uh, 80s um, uh, movies and, and uh, the uh, sort of the, the missing sequel. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel they never should make the, the sequel they never should make actually on that note next time ferris bueller yeah. um our featured one but no please i never do it mm. um ferris uh, but... bueller laid off <laughs> like it yeah that's exactly what anyway I, I think we said this on text but i wouldn't want to see it because ultimately that would be ferris he'd be a bum he'd be a you know a failed dad divorced oh you're a bum you're living in the past ferris and i don't want to see ferris like that no. i think that's exactly what they would do and they would get him to like it would be a journey about him growing and if up everyone's seen succession the character who plays um alan ruck yeah yeah he he the character, yeah, the character in Succession it, that he plays is pretty much exactly what you'd imagine Cameron to grow up as. It is just uncanny. I don't know if the writers did that on purpose, but it's like, yep, that is exactly what Cameron would be if he was his adult self. It's so spooky. Um, I'd love to watch Succession. I hear great things about it. Oh, it's one of the best. One of the best series out there. Awesome. And, and um, if you ever want to talk about Back to the Future for an hour and a half again, just just count me in. I definitely enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's lots of stuff we didn't really delve into. So, yeah, we, we I think we definitely got scope to have a, another conversation, um, another more focused one, I think. But, uh, yeah, no, thank you both for your time massively. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. So yeah, as, as you said, Stu, yeah. So thank you both very, very much. I uh, hope you guys listening enjoyed it too. You're welcome as always to find us at foreverinelectricdreams.com where we delve further into uh, nonsensical um, uh, genre fiction goodies. And uh, Stu, we very much hope we'll get to connect with you on this again at some point soon. I would love to. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Oh, I really don't want him to come again. Ha, 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 ha.